within the past year, I'd be going down the stairs. Then I would turn to go into one of the living rooms and there's a mirror on that wall. And it's happened twice where I would walk and I would look in the mirror and I would see what looks like a small girl crouched down behind the banisters looking. And when I turn and look, the person's gone, 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 gone. From the dawn of the spoken word, storytelling has been the backbone of human culture, warning of looming dangers and evoking our most personal fears. What you're about to hear are the real-life experiences of everyday people, brave enough to share their terrifying tales. Tales where the horror hits close to home. I'm your host, Danny. Welcome to the Hometown Horrors Podcast. Listen, if you dare. Ladies and gentlemen, we are the Hometown Horrors Podcast coming back at you, back at you, back at you again with another spooky episode. Today, we've got my old friend, Johnny. I've known him since elementary school and knowing him and his family has been one of the great pleasures of my young life. Thanks for having me, brother. It's good to see you. Absolutely, man. It's nice to just have a living record of the stories. One day we'll look back on it and hopefully not be ashamed. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, interesting things has happened, which I haven't told too many people about. Yeah, you just kind of keep them to yourself after they happen, you know? Because you also don't want to be the crazy person, like, you'll never guess what happened to me. But Mm. this show is exactly that show. This is where you can tell those stories. Well, I hope uh, people make some better choices than I did. (laughs) (laughs) Try to avoid these kinds of things. The uh, one instance of late was unfortunately due to a girl I was seeing at the time. So a little bit about me. I'm not a kook. Not (laughs) not too much, right? Now, um, for about eight years, I worked as a private security contractor. I currently own a federal firearms licensed manufacturing company. I'm a firearms instructor for civvies and law enforcement, and I'm a firefighter EMT as well. Yeah. So I've got some good jobs, good support, not a kook. (laughs) About 2018, I was out of one of the local watering holes and saw someone I knew from high school. We got to chit-chatting and then, you know, next thing you know, you end up dating. It's funny how that happens. Right. <laughs> I didn't know her too well. Um, as I got to know her, she's very interested in the paranormal and going to a lot of these hot places, sites and like... Kind of into the Ouija board type stuff. Yes. Yeah. I never messed with any of that stuff. She'd always go with friends and overnight. She'd take like pieces of the buildings that were supposed Condemned to be haunted and stuff yeah. like that. That's not good. Yeah. Like I was very interested in the paranormal stuff, but I've never, never really went out. So when we started dating, I noticed whenever we were together, the atmosphere was really dark and kind of unsettling. I always had the feeling of having to check behind me a lot, like something else was there watching us. And when I was alone, I always had to keep checking my back. Was that specifically like at her house or just when you guys were together? When we were together. Yeah. So... About a couple of weeks in, I'd noticed things in my office would be moved and I'd ask her, she said she wouldn't move things. Things went missing when she was not there too. My cameras had weird malfunctions. One night we were in our kitchen, if you recall, we have a little granite bar and above the sink, there's a small window. Outside of that window, there's just a free hanging swing on the deck. So we're sitting there talking. Then all of a sudden we hear a really loud knock on that window. This is about 11 o'clock at night, by the way. Yeah. Only one's there. I pull my gun out, open the deck door, turn the lights on, the flashlight, and that swing is full kilt back and forth like someone was swinging in it. So first thing I thought was, okay, maybe a friend of mine or hers was pulling a prank. 
maybe there was an animal. So we looked at the security footage and you can see the light from the kitchen on the deck, but you hear the bang. Then as soon as I come out and turn the lights on, you see the swing moving. Did it start swinging after the bang? Yes. That whole deck is rock solid. It's not flimsy enough to just be pushed by wind. That's probably a very heavy swing, right? No, from what I crawl, it was a pretty calm night. The cameras didn't see anything. It didn't hear any footsteps or anything like that. So I was like, weird. Just to establish, like, that's your parents' house, your childhood home. Correct. So you're familiar with the sounds. You're familiar with what typically the noises are of that house. Yeah, 30-plus years in that house, you know it well. Yeah. So that's the first thing that happened, and I was, like, kind of weirded out about it because, you know, that's where the armory is. So I started checking the house, checking the property, and making sure that no one else is there. You know, we looked, and she didn't really say much about it, and we just kind of continued on in the night. It seems like she might also kind of have the understanding that there is something like attached to her. Yes, and I discovered that pretty quickly too. Probably about a week later or so, we're back at the armory in the basement. She goes to the bathroom and I'm just sitting on the couch watching TV and she just screams top of her lungs in the bathroom. So I go run back there. She says she saw something in the mirror watching her in the bathroom. So in the basement bathroom, there's just uh, one really tiny window, which is covered up by blinds, like a little yeah, it's a two maybe, foot by one foot basement window. Exactly. So just to give the small layout of this bathroom, I think it's like five by six feet, maybe a little bit larger. There's a shower behind where the mirror would be and then the toilets to the right of the sink. Correct. It's a pretty small bathroom. Was it just standing behind her? Was it in the shower? She like, said it was directly behind her. And then she turned around and nothing was there. She didn't really describe what it was. She just said she saw someone in there with her. Later that night, probably midnight maybe, we were having a couple of drinks. Nothing crazy, just a couple of beers, stuff like that. Nightcap, yeah. At the time, she was wearing like a really pretty sundress where you know, there's a big cut V yeah, cut there, right there's, here. Yeah, there's a nice uh, yeah. window. We're watching TV. I have my arm around her shoulders. Then she just lets out this scream and stands up and turns to me. And I saw that she had three claw marks across her breast that drew blood that weren't there. That's when I started getting freaked out. Yeah, this is getting closer, whatever it is. I've experienced some like weird things, but this was something different. She was hysterical. I was like, hey, I got guns and what the hell do you do in this situation? You know what I mean? So I felt helpless. I didn't know what to do. So we decided to leave. And basically she went home and I went my separate way. So that was essentially the last time you guys had done anything together. You were just like, it's time to cut this off. Pretty much. That was the last time she was there. When she left, I made the decision, like, I got to stop this. This isn't something you can allow into your life. Correct. Especially working around firearms or something. And even when clients of mine would come over, a handful of them told me that when they came downstairs to do their transfers and purchases, whichever, they said that the mood in there was not right. And that was specifically only happening while you were with her. Correct. I don't really get afraid. I mean, if I've been through a lot of stuff in my life, but being in that house alone, I did not like it. Yeah. And that's also the home you've lived in throughout your life. The fact that the vibe was different really should stand out. During the day, I'd be doing gun work on my computer. And I just kept having this feeling that someone or something was there with me, just watching me. So I decided to end things with her. And the very next day I had a client. I'm Catholic, by the way. He did some transfers. He comes in and he has like a bunch of Catholic like merchandise. He gives me some books like out of the blue without even talking about any of this. Gives me some cool things and he gives me these two prayer coins. Since he gave them to me in 2018, 
I've had these in my pocket every single day, wherever I go. Even when I'm doing training, running a gunning, firefighting stuff, I have them in my pockets with me everywhere I go. Just to make sure if there's any lingering effects from being with her or that thing being in your home. Yeah. My parents, they have holy water from Lourdes. And I opened some of that and put it through the house. And we all ended up getting the house replaced and stuff like that. And once I separated with her, the mood of the house just became charming again. It was nice. I didn't feel any of that anger or hate or just feeling like I was being watched in that instance. There's yeah. some other times that of recent things like that have happened, but it's a different sense. Hey, Bar and Girl fans, it's Jim with Madhouse Bar Talk, where me and my co-hosts sit around and talk about the things going on around Madhouse Bar and Grill in Elyria, Ohio. The whole conversation is unscripted, uncensored, and unedited. Anywhere where you stream podcasts, just remember, Madhouse Bar Talks, baby! I think I might remember her. Was that the girl that you took to Uptown Alley that one time? Yeah, her. Interesting. Because she was a very nice and bubbly person. Yeah. But like, once I really got to know her, she had, I mean, we all have issues, right? Yeah, but we all have trauma. She had uh, some other things going on that I was like, oh. It's a little more than. <laughs> a little more than I wanted to get into. Yeah. Yeah, that's creepy, man. Uh, you said you had other experiences too. Was that maybe before that? More so after than anything. So I was the youngest of four. So. We all switched rooms as we got older, and my brothers had some interesting things happen to them. That's true. Uh, Kelly, who was actually episode four and had the Bunnyman Bridge story, is your older brother. Correct. He's two and a half years older than I am. So that house was built in 1990, and my pops was the first property owner there. So while the house was being built, I wasn't born yet. Family moved out in 90, late 90, and I was born early 91. So the whole area where we live... You know, it's Civil War territory. There's a lot of uh, historical markers and historical buildings and places like that through the county. Yeah. We always contributed some of the weird things to us as like, oh, it's Civil War phenomena or whichever. But they all have their own individual things like doors opening by themselves and closing, feeling like someone's at the foot of your bed. But I got married in April of 2022. And since I still do gun work at that place... I still stay in my old room, which has been redone really nicely. So weird things have happened lately there, which I don't really know how to explain within the last six months. So I'll paint the picture. So you're at the alpha side of the building, front door, you walk in, right? And you have dining rooms to your left and right, and you have the stairwell right in front of you. You go up the stairs, it banks to the left, you got more stairs, and then it goes down a really long hallway, which goes to my old room, right? Yeah. So... I always would sleep with, you know, a jet-powered fan on, one of those massive shop <laughs> fans, and I'd keep that hallway door closed. So with that fan on and the door closed, anytime that door would open, you would hear and you would feel the pressure change. I got used to sleeping like that for years, so anytime someone would open it, I would instantly wake up. When I would be staying there on occasion, I would hear that pressure change, and I would wake up, and I could see the light from the end of the hallway. I don't see anyone. The floor slightly creaks because it's above the garage. So I hear footsteps coming towards the edge of my bed and I'm awake. I'm not- You're in not life. dreaming. Not yeah. dreaming. I, I'm oriented. I feel the end of my bed depress and someone is sitting there. The weird thing is it's not threatening. It's there, but it's not giving off a threatening vibe. Interesting. It's almost peaceful. 
This has happened many times. And on occasions when my wife would stay there with me, it would happen then, but I wouldn't wake her. I'm to the point where I'm like, yeah, it's there. Just going to leave it as is. Yeah, don't interact with it. Two times within the past year, I'd be going down the stairs. Then I would turn to go into one of the living rooms and there's a mirror on that wall. And it's happened twice where I would walk and I would look in the mirror and I would see what looks like a small girl in the mirror, kind of like crouched down behind the banisters looking. And when I turn and look, the person's gone. Maybe 10, 12, 13 years old is what it looked like. Would that be similar to the age of your daughter? She's 10. She's 10. But she wasn't there during those times. So that's happened. So that's happened twice. And, you know, I told, you know, mom and pops and they're like, what the hell are you talking about? (laughs) Pretty much. Yeah. Just some couple interesting, weird things like that. And, uh, when we got married, we moved to a place about three miles away. And I've had the experience there too of presence in the room sitting on the foot of the bed. And I sleep with fans there too. So it's pretty similar. Do you think it might be the same thing? It feels like it is. Okay. So the fun thing about these black candles that I use when I record the show is that when they get going really strong, it seems like there's a presence in the room. (laughs) It's really freaking weird. It'll burn extremely bright at times, and at other times, it'll just kind of be simpering. Yeah, some uh, interesting little weird things like that have happened, especially of late, too. It wasn't all as a kid. It wasn't all being a teenager. It's 32 years old, and these things still happen. Yeah, because usually when these things happen, it's like you have experiences as a kid, and that's maybe just like the door being open. Something's attached. Yeah. You know Ricky, and you also know uh, John. Yeah. They were recently on the show and they have experiences where as little kids, they had an experience where like, you know, their sister was playing with a Ouija board or in Ricky's case, the house that his parents moved into, the previous owners had did seances there and the wife died of cancer in the house. And like, he may have talked to the ghost of that lady in the corner of his room mm. a couple of nights. So it's like, it's usually that carries on into adulthood. Did you ever have any experiences like that? Or is it just that like since dating that girl, there's actual activity? That'd be the most substantial. (laughs) That's spooky as shit, dude. Yeah. You have a little girl ghost following you around. You should go to uh, Station 2 in Remington. That place is haunted. I believe it. Do you know what that purple house is in Remington? There's like that huge purple house as soon as you get through like the town, right? As you're going to like uh, the more recent development. No. No? Yeah, okay. It's funny you say purple because the inside of uh, Remington is mostly purple. <laughs> yeah. The station, yeah. So from age 13 until about 24, I had a rare liver disease and ulcerative colitis and eventually developed liver cancer. So had a liver transplant nine years ago, a couple hiccups here and there, but I'm doing great. But um, I think it was about two and a half years after transplant, some of the medication I was taking became toxic to me because I had so much of it. Yeah. And basically my white cell count tanked completely. I developed neutropenic fever. I had a temperature of about 105 degrees in the ER. And I had an out-of-body experience where, yeah, it was at Fauquier Hospital. I saw myself above my body and, you know, I was trauma naked. They were pouring ice packs all over me, putting lines everywhere they could, trying to get me to cool down. And I just remember it was like looking down on me through like a tunnel almost. I just remember being just so relaxed and warm. It was weird. I could hear everyone talking. I could hear the monitors. And then they started putting more and more ice on me. Then I started feeling really cold. This lasted for maybe 20, 25 seconds or so, this experience. And then I regained consciousness in my body. It was bizarre. 
So that might have been like a going into the light moment. Yeah. Once they got me somewhat stabilized, you know, they were like, we need to get them air care to Baltimore, you know. It was that severe. So that was just a really weird thing. I don't really know how to describe it. Yeah. Well, if it was literally like you kind of slipping away from the mortal coil, that would be such a... Oh, I don't, it's so weird to contextualize afterwards. Like it could have been just like a light hallucination. I had a experience like that in Fuck Your Hospital too in my early 20s, like liver and kidney failure. And I remember having like weird feelings, but it, I never had an out-of-body experience, especially not where I saw myself. Yeah, it was bizarre. It's like, hey, that's me, but I'm up here. And especially being of that age too, where you, you had a good grip on like what is real and what isn't. Yeah. Yeah, I, I remember in seventh grade when that liver condition came on, man, we were all really worried for you. Yeah. It was a <laughs> shitty time. Yeah, most of my days through uh, middle school and high school, I did either from the hospital or from home, just too sick, getting surgery every six weeks or so for almost 10 years, you know? Yeah, I remember you used to have like a duffel bag of medications you'd have to take. <laughs> yeah, my own pharmacy. <laughs> yeah. Luckily now I just take a couple pills a day and that's it. Yeah, like you're easily in the best shape of your life too. Mm, trying to get better. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Doing a lot better than me, dude. I'm chunking up. <laughs> um, when Kelly was on, he told a story. I don't know if he's ever told you the story, but he and a friend were uh, doing tours in Warrington with your mom and dad. Uh, they saw like the courthouse and they went to a graveyard and they were just kind of disrespectful in the graveyard. Yeah, the old Warrington ghost tours. Yeah. He said that uh, he and the friend were kind of like messing around the graveyard. They said some kind of disrespectful things were messing around on top of the grave. And then later that night when he and the friend were chilling in his room, the friend got really sick out of nowhere, threw up all over the floor. I keep feeling like someone's coming down the stairs. <laughs> it's the bunnies. No. The, the bunnies. <laughs> the beer. No. Um, so Kelly's friend got really sick out of nowhere. You know, your mom calls his mom. He goes home. And then after cleaning up and kind of putting away the stuff to have a friend sleep over, Kelly goes to bed. He was in the, uh, the bedroom that was... Uh, Right at the end of the stairway as you came up your stairs. To the left? Yeah, directly to the left. Yeah. And he said that he, at some point in the night, heard footsteps coming down that hallway from the very long hallway, probably starting at the room you currently reside in when you stay at the house. Yeah. And has he told you this story? No, he hadn't. Oh, my God. Okay, so he hears footsteps coming down the hallway. And they, of course, get to outside the door. And the door knob turns, opens, and like, like creaks open and he, your parents had that like little green flashing thing on the outside of their bedroom door which is across the hall yeah the uh the, the little burglar alert or whatever yeah the motion sensor and he could see that flashing but there was like nothing there there was no silhouette and then he started hearing footsteps coming into the room <laughs> he's like losing his shit and as they get closer they get to the side of the bed and he hears breathing like a like a raspy breathing next to him and after a certain point it just stops but he said he was so scared that he saw it happening to him like similar like to an out-of-body yeah. experience yeah it's interesting that that hallway is so conducive to that spookiness yeah i talked to some priests and talked to my mom too and obviously she told me she's had some miscarriages and stuff like that and it's common that things like that can happen the last episode i filmed before this one was a old co-worker and she had a miscarriage before having her daughter and she said she could feel the moment like the soul of her child left her body when she miscarried. Yeah. I definitely think there's something going on there. Now that you say that, it does kind of make some sense because my wife miscarried on Thanksgiving. And that was a real emergency where we had to uh, 
get medevaced to the hospital and she had to have some procedures done. She's doing great now. Yeah, I'm sorry to hear that. It's all right. We know these things can happen. But now that you mentioned that, I do recall some of that stuff did increase after that happened. Wow. It sounds kind of goofy when you say it out loud, but it's a very gut feeling when something like this happens. It's like you hear about miscarriages all the time. First time it happened to me, I was broken. It, you know, still hurts. Yeah. Just got to keep trying. Yeah. I'm sorry, dude. I know that's a painstaking process. It's okay. I didn't realize you and uh, Christina were trying. Yeah. She's firefighter EMT. I'm a firefighter EMT and our schedules are hectic sometimes. And we can probably go a handful of days without really seeing each other, being able to spend time. So we're just kind of trying to establish our careers a little bit more. But if she does get pregnant, then that's awesome. Yeah. Would she be able to take like a good long maternity leave? Yeah. So she could go on the more so light duty while she's pregnant. So she'll still get her hours. She she'll just still needs. be rappelling down buildings and kicking in windows. No, nah, she wouldn't be doing that. No, <laughs> she'd be doing just light duty, whichever stuff the county needs her to do. Then. So maybe more like paperwork, directing phone calls, maybe. Yeah. So like if she worked through her pregnancy, then she'd get, you know, a nice long maternity leave. Good, good. Do you get any kind of time off for that kind of thing? I think I can. Yeah, because maybe it's just the tech industry I work for, but generally speaking, the father gets some maternity leave too. Well, I guess you'd call it paternity leave. <laughs> I got to look into the policy. I think they do allow it. Yeah, like especially after the child's born for the first couple weeks or months, the places I've worked will usually allow some time. I know you can, like if, you're, if you have a one kid or a couple of kids and you're struggling, I know you can request a different assignment in the department Yeah, to where like maybe you work at personnel or logistics and that's like a seven to three thirty shift Monday to Friday versus twenty four on, twenty four off. That sounds like twenty four on, twenty four off, twenty four on, twenty four yeah, off, the, right? The breakneck schedule. Yeah. And you know, in that county where I'm at, it's so many people. So you're guaranteed no sleep every shift. You know, it really drags on you, especially with kids. That's uh, tough work, man. But I love it. <laughs> yeah. I think this is kind of your calling too. Because I, I remember you wanting to be a cop as we were growing up. You've always wanted to be in some kind of civil service where you were directly helping people and making a difference. Yeah. Tried for years to be in law enforcement and I was told I was a great fit. But for years of testing, I just never got picked up. And then wife became a firefighter and I was like, okay, let me volunteer. I went through Volunteer Academy, got my certs and I loved it so much. I quit my job and for about seven months straight, I didn't work. I just volunteered. <laughs> and I amazing. was like, okay, I think I want to make this my career. And I applied to initially three places. I withdrew one. One place did not choose me. And then I got hired. Good. Because you kind of just need to assert yourself at this point. This is the thing you want to do and you just can't take no for an answer. Yeah. Definitely love the job. Like I'm still going to be doing my firearms business, teaching, selling, building, stuff like that. But I don't see myself doing any other job other yeah. than uh, fire EMT. That's good, man. Down the road further, hopefully in the career, like I said earlier, um, would like to possibly look into being a fire marshal too. Yeah. I do want my paramedics start too, but just in time. Yeah. It, it'll all lay out for you as is appropriate. Jesus. Yeah. What was that? <laughs> I keep feeling like something's <laughs> coming up behind me. Anyway, I just know at some point Liam's going to sneak down and like slap his hand on my shoulder. He knows I'm armed. He won't do that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Try it again, asshole. Oh, man. Favorite scary movie? What's your, what's your favorite horror movie? Oh. do you? I've liked horror my entire life. Is that something you kind of go to every now and again? Or? Yeah. The horror movies made today are garbage. I'd say one of my favorite movies was Halloween. The, the original Halloween? With Jamie Lee Curtis, yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. 
Yeah, it's terrifying, but it's also psychological. Yeah, the thing I love about that movie is like from her perspective, you don't even know that something's really even up. You just kind of see this weird masked figure every now and again. It would be cool if you could see the entire movie from only her perspective. It would be so much more unsettling. And that really got me into the horror genre, but also helped me want to get into, I remember when we were kids, we would write stories and we remember we try to make our own movies and stuff like that. Oh, right? dude. Yeah. That's something I was waiting to talk about when I, I do the, like the round table with your brothers. We made a bunch of little fake horror movies. Some of them are just terrible. Right? They, they were, but they were mostly just full of like little in jokes. I don't think we ever tried anything purely scary just because we were too goofy. We tried with the Iowa massacre and we never finished it, but the Iowa massacre, which is like a bootleg Texas chainsaw massacre. I had a leather face mask that I bought. For like just a random Halloween and we slapped it on Johnny's older brother, Dan. We filmed a lot of it at Messick Farm. Yeah, at, at Eric's parents' house. Eric's actually the um, the sound mastering dude for the show. Oh, real? Yeah. Nice. It, it's kind of a weird uh, synchronicity. I haven't seen him in a long time. I remember those movies, like I said, some were terrible. And we never finished that movie, but uh, a lot of it is cringe. But I remember a good like three, four minute segment is like gold. Yeah, I think a lot of that's the cornfield. And we're using a real chainsaw. You know, the chain is still on it. <laughs> like idiots, right? <laughs> we're, we're dumb kids. Yeah. That old farm was perfect, man. Do you still have that? Yeah. Okay, I, I definitely need a copy of that. I remember we used to show it to women we were dating when we were younger. And it's like, if you can still be with us after seeing this, you're a keeper. <laughs> no, those were a lot of fun. Well, thanks a million for well, coming on the show, yeah. buddy. Well, I appreciate you having me on. I love you, man. Thankful to have you on the show. You too, man. Love you, bro. Adios, folks. Now those were some frightfully fun stories. Howdy, everybody. It's me, your host, Danny. And I wanted to let you in on something special. You might have noticed that when I introduce the show, I say we are the Hometown Horrors Podcast. That's because there will always be at least three people in each episode. Me, the person who wants to hear a good story. The guest, the teller of a good story. And you, the listener, that takes that story and carries it with you out into the world. And we make up a special kind of trinity. We are the Hometown Horrors Podcast. And if you ever want to graduate from listener to guest, reach out to us via our handle on Instagram, hometown underscore whores underscore podcast. Our email is the hometown whores podcast, no spaces, at gmail.com or via text or phone call at 571-358-8880, which FYI is not my personal number, but give it a ring. I'll get back to you because if there's anything I've learned from doing the podcast is that everybody has a story and that story deserves to be heard. On your number one source for the most spine-tingling, gut-wrenching, insomnia-inducing stories around the Hometown Horrors Podcast.